You're listening to Sermons at High Peak. Well, if you were here on Thursday night, you know we had a good time for our annual trunk or treat. Lots of good costumes, which were fun. And uh, people dressed up in all kinds of crazy and wild things. Wasn't that a lot of fun? If you didn't hear, if you weren't here, you missed a, a really good time. Uh, it's it's always interesting to see what people choose to wear, and uh, it's kind of like a a little uh, you know picture into their soul when you see what what they're going to dress up as. But the last two costumes here, the one just before that was Marie, and then of course Mandy. Uh, they did such a great job in planning this, and I appreciate them so much. And now it's on to the next one, right? Because Christmas. Uh, is coming right around the corner. So we have Cookies with Santa uh, as another outreach. The gospel was shared on Thursday night uh, dozens and dozens and dozens of times. And uh, it will be again on uh, that day in in this month, later this month. Uh, But, you know, as I think about wearing costumes, it's interesting that people like to dress up. Do you like to dress up? Now, some people don't like it. I'll be honest with you, I'm in that category. It's not my favorite thing to do. I was willing to do it. Barb kind of gets more excited about it than I do. And this year it was just kind of simple. I got a shirt and a hat and carried around my old ball glove that my grandpa gave me, you know, over 30 years ago. But uh, anyway, it, it's, um, <clears throat> it's interesting, though, that, you know, you, you can try to be something that you're not for a short time. Or something maybe that you wish you could be. Or something that you would never, ever want to be, depending on your personality and who you are. You know, maybe you could dress up as a a doctor or an NFL football player. Or uh, What if you became, though, what you dressed up as? Like if there was some kind of weird Twilight Zone episode and you put on your costume for Halloween and then the next morning you woke up and you found out that you were what you dressed up as. Well, I'd be a... So a little boy from the 60s, you know, who can't play baseball. Instead of a, a little boy from the 70s and 80s who can't play baseball, which is what I really was. Or, or maybe you'd be, a, like I said, a doctor, an NFL player. We'd have a whole bunch of little princesses or little witches running around and uh, uh, maybe a few hobos and, and all kinds of crazy things. But putting on a costume, in a way, is like transforming yourself temporarily. But what... Christ wants from us is to transform us permanently. And here recently, there was a a person who has gone through an amazing transformation in a very public way. Think of the average sinner that you know. And what would it look like if Christ totally changed their life and they got sold out for Him? One of the most public of those recently is the rap star Kanye West. Now, some of you might be fans of him. Some of you maybe were like me and you never even listened to one song of his until you found out that he was coming out with a Christian album called Jesus is King that was released just last week. And my boys have kind of been going crazy over it. And so I listened to it with the words in front of me. And honestly, if you took the music part of it out, because that's just not me, I can't tell the difference between good and bad rap. I mean, that's, you know, my fault, not theirs. But 
listening to the words of this song or these songs and this uh, this album was stunning to me. It's incredibly rich, very deep, and he seems to have had a significant transformation in his life. In fact, he was recently on a, one of the late night comedian shows with Jimmy Kimmel, also not one of my favorites, uh, but. Jimmy Kimmel had him on, and, and I just want to play just one quick little clip that, to me, really illustrated what seems to have been a significant transformation in his life. Our gift to you, Brooklyn, is a visit from Mr. Kanye West. Now that God has called me, and I've, I now have given my life to Jesus Christ, and I work for God... Do you feel born again, Kanye? Would you consider yourself to be a Christian music artist now? I'm just a Christian everything. Uh Uh-huh. Everything. Everything. And you've done... It's interesting you said that about your daughter, because I think you've made, with your services, made church fun to go to for a lot of people. Uh, People are saying, oh, gosh, I want to go to church. And you never hear anyone say that, really. I mean, certainly not young people. And you're doing this thing where you're bringing people together. And, and, you know, that's that's pretty good, I think. Oh, I know. (laughs) I know. I don't know what you think about Kanye West, but I know he seems to me to have gone through something significant. And it's a very public transformation. He's not been quiet about it. He's been incredibly outspoken about it. But let me ask you this question. If you were known for pretty horrible lyrics, being involved in some pretty terrible things before, and then God totally got a hold of you so that now you say, I'm a Christian everything, would you say that's a a change in your life? I hope so. Well, he put on the right costume. He put on the right clothes, metaphorically speaking. And there's a passage in Ephesians chapter 4 that I was reading in my devotions this week, and it just kind of jumped out at me and said, this is what every Christian needs. This is what every human being needs. And that is to put on the right costume, the costume of Christianity. And it has to be real and not fake. It has to be sincere. To the bones and not an outward thing, but an inward transformation. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20. I'm going to be reading from verses 20 through 24. When you find it in your copy of God's Word, would you please stand in honor of the God who gave us His message. I'm reading from the New King James Version, Ephesians 4, 20 through 24. Prior to this, he's talking about the kind of life you want to put away. But he says, But you have not so learned Christ. Meaning you have not learned Him as being an inspiration of those sinful practices previously talked about. In verse 21, he says, If indeed you have heard Him and have been taught by Him as the truth is in Jesus that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you 
put on the new man, or maybe the new costume, the new clothing, the new outfit. Put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. I want to ask you this. Will you let Jesus Christ be your clothing designer and put on what He designs for you? You may be seated. How does a change like this man, Kanye, that we've talked about, or, or like any person, many of you could get up and give a testimony that you've gone through a significant personal change of your heart, your desires. Here in this verse, it talks about, in verse 22, it's your lusts. And that's just not, not just sexual lust, that's any desires. Do you have desires in life? What do you want to do? How do you want to act? When you are met with opposition from somebody, how do you just naturally respond? That's your lust. Those are your desires. And when Christ changes you, what does that change look like? What does a change that comes from Christ really look like? In this passage, we're going to see a few of them. And the first one is this. It is a change in the culture of learning. The things that you put your focus on, the things you want to learn about, the things you want to be educated on, totally changes. Your desire now goes from wanting to understand worldly ideas to now wanting to understand godly ideas. You begin to study what the Bible teaches about how we're supposed to live our lives, not what the world thinks about how we're supposed to live our lives. It's fine to read worldly books about, you know, self-help and psychology, only though if you read them next to Scripture and make the Bible the premier truth and judge everything else by it, how does this compare to what the Bible teaches me? If it's correct, if it's the same, then embrace it. But if it's contrary, contradictory, then ignore it. Move beyond it. I remember when I was a student at Southern Seminary. In Louisville, Kentucky. It was kind of the end of one era and the beginning of a new era. There was a transformation going on at Southern Seminary. Uh, the previous era had a liberal bent. It, it was not a school that really put a lot of focus on the truth of Scripture. I mean, they studied the Bible. It was an important book. Uh, but they believed that there were mistakes in Scripture. There were errors. They didn't call it the inerrant Word of God. They didn't have as high a view of Scripture as I do. And it was a challenging time. And it was also a time when things were really easy. <laughs> the educational aspect of the school was just kind of simple and easy. Now, I sort of liked that because it was easy to get good, good, good grades. But when the new uh, leadership came in and there was a transformation in the school from the old way to the new way, things got a little harder. And I remember sitting in Dr. Tom Rayner's class. Some of you will well, remember that name? He was the recent president of Lifeway Christian Resources, you know, the Lifeway stores and also our Sunday school literature publisher. And uh, I remember one day in the middle of the semester, it was time for the midterm, and everybody was mad because he didn't hand out the test and show it to us the week before. Because that's what other professors did. It was so easy. They basically hand out the test. They called it a study sheet. But essentially, it was they were giving you all the questions that was going to be on the test. And I liked it because it made it easy, but at the end of the class, he didn't do that. It was the last class before midterm, and one of the students raised a hand and said, Dr. Rayner, aren't you going to hand out the study sheet? 
He said, what do you mean? He said, well, you know, how are we going to study for the midterm next week? He said, well, I've been giving you all that information all semester long. It's called your notes and the reading. That's what you're going to study. And so there was this transformation, this change. It went from being very easy to very academic, from people being spoon-fed to making it where they had to work for the knowledge. And I bring that story up and that experience up because I want you to understand, sometimes as Christians, we have to work for the understanding of the Bible. He says, study to show yourself approved. In other words, diligently. In fact, in 2 Timothy, he says that. Be diligent to study yourself, to study to show yourself approved unto God. You have to work at it. There needs to be a culture of a hunger for the Word of God. Let me ask you this. Have you truly experienced a transformation in Jesus Christ? If so, then you're going to have a hunger for the Word of God. Now, I can be honest with you. There are periods of my life where maybe I'm not as focused on my faith as I ought to be. I let myself get busy. I let distractions come in. And when that happens, I find myself wanting to study Scripture less and less. But when the Lord gets a hold of me and sort of knocks on this thick old noggin of mine and says, Kevin, wake up. I'm here and I love you and I want you to serve me. I I try to make a, a turn in my life. And it's amazing how the Bible opens up and becomes a far greater importance to me. I remember my own Christian walk when I first got saved. I suddenly, even as a 10-year-old boy, found myself wanting to go to church and wanting to listen to the preacher. And I wanted to study the Scriptures. If you've had a true transformation in your walk with Christ, there's going to be a change in your culture of learning. Look at verse 20. He says, "Uh, but you have not so learned Christ. In other words, the, the old ways, that's not how Christ taught you. That's not how we taught you about Christ. You have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard Him and have been taught by Him as the truth is in Him. You see those three phrases that talk about learning? The first one is learned, the second one is heard, and the third is taught. It's all about Jesus. He's the one doing the teaching. He's the one about whom you may be heard. And He's the one who taught you. It's His Holy Spirit in you. Somebody at some point in your life told you about Jesus, if you're a Christian. Or maybe you read about it, or maybe you saw something. I've heard all kinds of testimonies. A family member, a grandmother, a preacher, a Sunday school teacher, a book handed to a person at just the right moment, a copy of God's Word was handed to somebody, or they checked into a motel room and started reading it. At just the right point, they received the understanding of Jesus because they heard it. And then the Holy Spirit started working on their heart. The Holy Spirit started teaching them and helping them to understand what they were reading or hearing. And it's all about Jesus. He's the center of it all. And so have you had that kind of change? It's a process. You've heard about Christ. Someone taught you about Christ. And you learned about Christ. And when you really learn about Him, that makes a change, doesn't it? I believe that Jesus, when people truly understand the grace of God, they almost cannot reject it. When you truly understand the goodness of the grace, the grace that says, hey, there's a a being who created this whole world 
And He sat on a throne in heaven and all the creatures in heaven spent all their time worshiping and honoring and praising Him. But He chose to leave that so that He could come and live like a nothing nobody for 33 years. And towards the end of that time, the people that He came to speak to, to teach, to help, spat on Him, made fun of Him, ridiculed Him, beat Him up, and then dragged Him up to a hill where they nailed Him to a cross and killed Him. And all of that was done because He loved us. And when you truly understand that, when the Holy Spirit really gets hold of your heart, I don't believe you can really resist that. The problem is people don't fully get it. They don't really understand what He's done for them. Do you understand it? If it does... Uh, if it makes sense to you and the Holy Spirit's helped you understand it, there's going to be a change in your focus of life and you're going to learn about Jesus. The second thing, we've already talked a little bit about this, this costume of Christ-likeness. You're going to put on an old costume. or Take off an old costume and put on a new costume. Um, the problem of costume parties in church, there's the modern era, you know, when we have this and some costumes can be suggestive. And, you know, you invite the public into your church and come to say, well, you know, let's have trunk or treat. And sometimes you look at the costume and say, well, that's not something I'd really want one of my members to wear. But, you know, you're being kind and gracious to them and allow that to just kind of walk on by. And maybe they won't uh, be seen by too many people. That We had one or two of those, but it wasn't really that bad. Or there might be some evil costumes, you know, people dressed like baby killers. I mean, just all kinds of weird stuff that you see on Halloween night. Fortunately, we didn't have too much of that. We were blessed. It was all pretty G-rated at the most, maybe on the edge of PG, and we were thankful. The problem, though, is a lot of people have put on some pretty X-rated costumes in their own personal lives today. And some of you might, on occasion drift in to the NC-17 level. At least the R-rated. And we allow ourselves to be brought down by the culture around us instead of standing up and trying to lift up the culture towards God. And as that happens, things change. But Paul here in Ephesians verse four, verse, or chapter 4, verse 22, said it's time to put off that. Verse 22, he says this. He says, put off concerning your former conduct, the, the way you used to act, that old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. When it says grows corrupt, uh, there's no standstill in your spiritual walk with Jesus. You're either growing more like Christ or you're becoming less. Uh, there is no status quo. I know you might think, well, I'm just kind of on an even keel. You know, I don't really get more like Jesus, but I'm not falling backwards. It's impossible. Because there are two forces pulling on you. It's like a, a two great magnets, and you're in the middle. And one of them is stronger than the other at some point in your life. How does that happen? Well, we always know that God is always stronger. But there are times when you turn your back on God and start pointing yourself towards the evil influences in the world, and you start drifting in that direction. And when that happens, we call it backsliding or falling away or whatever the term for it is. What it is, is it's called sin. And he says it's time to put that off. At some point in your life, if you are a believer now, you made the decision to put that off. To take that costume off. To, to, bury, to bury that old man 
And sometimes we try to dig him up again. Or we try to dig her up again and put her back on. And try to live that way. And it just doesn't work. But then he says in verse 24, he says that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Like I said earlier, it's time to make Jesus your designer. He's got a much better outfit in mind. Now, I know that some of you have seen, you know, Barb and I, we've been trying to lose some weight. And, uh, you know, you can tell it's like this right here. And I wore this shirt on purpose because it doesn't fit anymore. Okay, now I promise I'm not going to take it off. But what needs to happen is I need to put off these old baggy clothes and put on the new. The problem is sometimes if I'm not careful, I go the other direction. And so I'm afraid to get rid of these old baggy clothes. I'm proud of my wife. She just cleaned all hers out of her closet. But you know, it's my turn. It's my time. It's sort of my way of saying it's time to move forward in this direction. And you know what? It's time for you to put off the old. To bury it. To never let it come back again. So that you can move forward closer to Christ. Put on the garment He has planned for you. It's a pure and holy, clean and perfect. And one day you'll be able to stand before Jesus in heaven and He won't see anything ugly about it. It's like these new cloths. Have you you ever seen these shirts? You know, you can drip all kinds of junk all over it and it just kind of rolls off. I like, I need those. I don't have any, but I need them because, you know, anytime I'm eating, I've got this little shelf still. It's still here and everything just kind of lands right here. I can be like bending over, going like this, you know, lifting straight up and it still finds a way down over here. When you get a shirt designed by Jesus, in other words, when you put on His lifestyle and His Holy Spirit into your life, That stuff can no longer damage you and destroy you. It can impact you. It can uh, remove the blessings in your life. It can make your life more difficult and miserable and rob you of that abundant life Jesus wants you to have. But the good news is, if we continue repenting and continue returning to Christ even after our sin, then we have a new garment that we put on that makes us impenetrable. To Satan, And he has no control over you any, anymore that you don't give him. Sometimes I give him control, but he doesn't have any power over me unless I hand it to him. And the way we do that is the third thing this verse is talking about, that, and that is the conduct of your holiness. Holiness. It's like being cleaned up with fire. You know, when you uh, uh, clean something up, you know, those metals, they, they burn off. You know, they melt off the, the dross, the old uh, impurities, the stuff that's not any good. And they, they drag all that away and, and remove it. And then they pour that metal into a new mold and it now becomes pure. Maybe pure silver or pure gold or something like that. Now, in human standpoint, there is no perfectly pure metal. It's always going to have a little bit. But when it comes to Christ, He can clean it all off. And He has if you've trusted Him. If you've asked forgiveness for your sins... He's promised to forgive you and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. 
So you have a choice. It's between that old self or that new self. But in this verse, in between uh, the part in verse 22 where he says put off and the part in verse 24 where he says put on, there's something interesting right in between it. Look again at verse 22. And put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, those desires, those wants of our lives. And look in verse 23. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you may put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Something worthless becomes worth the blood of Christ. You and me, we become worth the blood of Jesus. He died for you. And how does that happen? When you allow Him to take off the old and put on the new. That happens because of a renewed mind. A renewed spirit of your mind. When you and I think of the mind, we always think about our thinking, you know, the knowledge, our education, our understanding of things. But when in first century Greek philosophy, when they thought of the mind, they thought about the decision. That was your will and your heart. It's the desire to do the right thing. And he's saying there's a transformation in what you long for. Now I can tell you, I do sometimes sin. And after I do, I feel terrible. And there are times when I pray to God, why don't you just take my free will away so that I'll never do this again? I honestly wish that sometimes. I wish God would just wipe that ability to do the wrong thing out so that I literally was incapable, incapable of doing anything wrong. I wish I could. But he says, no, I didn't make you that way. Because that's not love. Love is choosing to do the right thing for Jesus. And that's the conduct of holiness. Holiness means to be purified, to be cleansed. You know, archaeologists, they find some interesting things. You hear about all these digs. And um, one of our seminaries, Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, has become one of the forefront uh, schools in the the country and in the world, really, when it comes to archaeology as it relates to the Bible. Uh, There are great experts there. But anyway, a while ago, in India... uh, there was a group of archaeologists from another institution, and they were studying the people that had probably come from Africa and settled in India. And they started to look at a lot of the tools and the things that they were finding. And they found all these interesting uh, gadgets, things. And what they found was, in the region around them, the level of tool making was so much lower than in this region where people from Africa had come to settle. These people from Africa were far more advanced. And, um, and it was interesting because these tools were better. But yet, compared to tools today, they were still pretty primitive. And yet, when they took these tools out of the ground and they cleaned them off, something happened to the value of these tools. They went from being just a junky old tool that someone had thrown into the dirt and it got buried by thousands of years worth of sand and dust and rocks to now becoming a museum piece worth thousands and sometimes even millions of dollars. And you know, I've got tools. I can go down in my basement and I can get a a box of tools out and I can show them to you. And I know a few of you will look at these and they'll go, those look pretty primitive compared to what I've got back in my shed. You know, you've got a lot nicer tools probably than I do because tools are just not my thing, you know. 
Uh, I, I like other stuff. But I have some that I just feel like I've got to have. You know, every man's got to have some tools. But none of them are really matched, you know. They're from different companies and different brands and stuff. But they're in my green toolbox sitting there ready to pull out and use. I can't imagine any of those tools being of any value to anyone. Until you take that tool and you put it in the right hand. And it goes from being just a junky old dime store screwdriver to be an instrument of art in the hand of the right person who knows what to do with that tool. And when you and I are placed in the hand of God, He knows what to do with us. And you and I go from being totally worthless, nothing, just a bunch of junk, ready to be thrown into the, tur- into the dirt and covered up by years and centuries and maybe even millennia of dust and dirt. But when He picks us up, He cleans us off, and He starts to use us. We can change the world in the hands of God. I hope you know that about yourself. That when you put your hand in the hand of the man who died for you, that you suddenly became a mighty powerful tool to do a great worldly change. This past week, we happened to be out and we saw somebody, you know, that uh, I had previously baptized. And they're not part of the church anymore. And I've sometimes worried about this person. You know, we kind of lost track of them and didn't know how to get a hold of them anymore. And I thought, oh, that's another one. You know, you, you have somebody get baptized. They're excited for a while. But like that old parable, you know, the parable of the sower, the weeds choke out the life and they lose their excitement and joy in Jesus and they run off back into their old ways. And so I was worried about this young lady and I thought about that. When I saw her, I asked her, so are you still going to church somewhere? Oh, yes. And began to tell us about her experience of being involved in a church. She was still serving the Lord. She had moved. It just wasn't convenient to be a part of High Peak Church anymore. And so now she's going somewhere else. That made me happy. It made me excited because what happened was someone that I was nervous that maybe that transformation hadn't been sincere. I looked at her and I realized she has really been changed. And the Lord has really gotten a hold of her life. And I know some of you, I've seen some of you do the same thing. My fear, though, is that others have not. When you've really seen a change in your heart, there's going to be a change in what you want to understand and study. There's going to be a culture of learning change. You're going to put on the clothes of Christ, that that costume of Christ-likeness to be more like Him. And it's going to change all that you do. Your conduct will become holy more often than not. The same thing happens when you hear the words of Christ and it makes a difference in your life. Mark 1.15 says this, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Luke chapter 13, verse 3 says, I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. I want to tell you the same thing. It's time for us to experience a change. A change of who you listen to and learn from. A change of how you show yourself to this world. The spiritual clothes that you wear. And a change of that inner deep person 
so that it can change your conduct of who you are. And when that change comes from Jesus and it's real, it's amazing. And you become a powerful, transformative tool in the hand of God. Don't you want to be that? I want to invite you to do so today if you haven't already. much for listening to our sermons from High Peak. I'm Dr. Kevin Purcell, the pastor of High Peak Baptist Church. And if God has really spoken to you through this message, please get in touch with me. You can go over to highpeakchurch.com and look for a way to contact us. Or if you want, you can come directly to me at pastor at highpeakchurch.com. We're also on Facebook, searching for High Peak Church. We'd love to see you. We have our services every Sunday morning at 11 a.m., Sunday evening at 6 p.m. in our fellowship hall, and then also midweek service on Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. Please come and join us. We've got classes for all ages. God bless you, and thanks for listening.